for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. magic of sausage uh-huh. is that and, and I know there's a lot of people that say I guess the term would be you don't want to see quote unquote how the sausage is made that's right because it's disgusting no yes it's interesting and it's food science and what I like mm. is what you see with the sausage right whatever the base meat is you add in the spices you grind it mm-hmm. yeah right? of course you add in cubes of fat you grind it. Yeah, you got And when to. that does, so you can take a meat that is not necessarily the most luscious of meat, but you add a layer of fat with the actual packaging of the sausage, therefore making the meat itself more juicy. Mm. All right. Welcome to the last <laughs> podcast on the left, everyone. This is the Relaxed Fit episode <sighs> live from Bristol, England. We are in Marcus's hotel room. Speaking of food, uh, Henry is in love with sausage. He has just recommended when we go to Stockholm, Sweden, we eat a platter of different kinds of sausage from what seems to be endangered animals. Will you go through <laughs> which a zoo? Which is very interesting. If you just could open your imagination and look at a zoo like a grocery store, uh. you too can expand your palate to that of the Swedish. No, this is why every zoo has a no Polish person policy. Um, and of course, because we're in Marcus's room, we're also staring at what Marcus likes to consume, which is not meat related. But it certainly is dangerous in the sugar content. Uh, it is a iron brew. Um, I'm looking at you. Have you have a hobgoblin? Uh, that is not a hob hobgoblin. Hobnobs, you fucking idiot! Look. Oh, hobnob. <laughs> hobnob. I'm sorry. I got both the milk chalk and the regular kind. They're wonderful oat cookies. Is that or a biscuits? Uh, they're biscuits. They're biscuits, as they call them here. I will only call it a biscuit here because I'm here. You have now. to. I know because I've already been yelled at. It's a biscuit. It's, it's a not a biscuit. biscuit. Yeah. I made a. Uh, I was at the casino yesterday. Speaking of what? My, speaking of what I do, <laughs> and um, I made a massive mistake where I, I exchanged my money. I did okay until mm. the end, and uh, and then you leave. So you want to do well at the end, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Um, and I exchanged my money, and I said, "Oh wow, your guys' currency is so much nicer than ours." And then I made the mistake of making a joke in my head, and then I said out loud. And then I said, except for, of course, the queen's face on it. <laughs> and, and then I said, man, I am sorry. I love her. And, uh, and then they looked at me as if I just offended them greatly. And then I walked out of the casino. Well, Ben, if you want to get back on their good side, just go and grab yourself a little bag of monster mush. 
Monster Munch pickled onion flavor. Oh. See, why, why, though? It is. You guys all, beautiful. I am so sick oh, of the persecution so I received <laughs> from this group. Because when I was originally, the opening of this, we had a very severe discussion and a disagreement about bear sausage. And again, listeners, send us mail and tell us how, like, I know bear is not the most common meat. I don't think so at all. I don't no. think so. Obviously not. I know it's not. But. How often do you see it in a restaurant, especially here in Europe, right? Because it's like we see, like when we venison, went to, perhaps we went to Australia no, and we ate kangaroo. Not like venison, people don't eat predators. Predators don't taste good. You're just making shit up. You never had it. <laughs> so when you have I mean, these, isn't every animal a predator? A deer is a predator to someone. A deer is not a predator. It no, has a, to a eat deer, no, a, de- a herbivore. You don't eat carnivores. Did so you a, not it's pass? A pr- it's a predator. Junior high, no biology. That's you are literally. Uh, but <laughs> also, no, it this matter. has got nothing to do with biology. Because they didn't talk about you don't eat predators in biology. No one's ever said that. You just okay, also, I'm just going to say plants are alive. Have you guys not heard about this? Plants feel and they eat plants. Don't you do they this. They are still predators of nature. Did Jenny pre- from Forrest Gump just show up in this room? <laughs> hey, man. She died. She died. She died. Uh, but no, we were just talking about how like you can you can mix it up. But, do, I, but that's what we were. We all have our own peccadillos here. True. Alright, obviously. But I no am one concerned. dies when he eats his pickled onions. Nope, not I at am, all. And no I one am, dies when I eat my wonderful Costin Press <laughs> elderflower lemonade soda. That's what he likes. I'm Normally just I think that elderflower is an overpowering Flavor, but, but this, I think it's absolutely scrummy. scrummy. As great. soon as you put it, just a tiny little oh, oh, Paul, oh, Paul Hollywood, I wish you'd put your mushroom tip beside my briar pitch. I love you, sound like Julia Childs if she has never shat. That's, I love that. It. It's Mary Berry. That's Mary Berry. Mary but Berry. apparently, they don't like each other. But anyway, that's that's a whole other conversation about the Great British Break Off, which is this show is not about technically. It's not, we could. We can do whatever we want. There's a relaxed fit. Take mm-hmm. that yeah. belt off. Oh, my belt is off. Okay. Wait, yeah, yeah, it is off. <laughs> oh, but we do have a, an actual good story today, but we'll, we'll get, get to that. Oh, we will. I looked up, because we're in Bristol. Um, uh, Number one, just Marcus, I just want you to watch your kidneys. All right, okay. because you got to watch your sugar intake. Good, good call, good call. But I know that Bristol is the famed home of Blackbeard, the Dread Pirate. Oh. Who I believe is Edward Teach. I believe was he the first spell? Was uh, he the first one to do Buttolingus? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that when that TV show Girls, everyone was like, they're so brave, they're doing Buttolingus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they would his name would be Brownbeard. Ah, yeah, it's very true. Uh, but he, although from uh, the Guinness that I had in Ireland, <laughs> nah, I think he could still be black. <laughs> well, that was a problem. I mixed Guinness with Pepto Bismol. Oh, and I thought I, my shit looked like Voldemort's fucking <laughs> cubes. Oh yeah, was- I had the spiciest curry of my life last night, and my shoulders started sweating. Ah, this God. is but right. I made sure I had some Gaviscon double action. Had a few of those, man. The shit was bad, but the heartburn was all gone. There it is. Your table looks like Prince Albert's fucking rider. <laughs> <laughs> it is just all of this shit, all of that weird, you know, that weird energy drink with the bits in it. Lucasaid. What the hell is? What are the bits? It's powered by glucose. That's just Ugh. sugar. That's, <laughs> that's just sugar. sugar. <laughs> that is just sugar. Um, but it gives you energy. 
you're gonna cr- you're gonna fall asleep on stage tonight. <laughs> I, hey, you go out and drink your fifteen beers. I have my Lucas. Uh, I know. Have I our know. Things. Which which is better or worse? The that's beer actually, is worse. I actually don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think it's true. <laughs> I think it is the at least beer is powered by creativity, <laughs> not, not glucose. It's got oats in it. It's got yeah. Um, <laughs> but I try to look up the history of black beer because I wanted to know more about it because it, right. it was like one of those. That was one of those topics that we've bendied about wanting mm. to do on the show. We wanted to do more pirate lore because we think it's fun. And Bristol is like a pirate town, right? Yeah. They have all pirate bars, which I'm certain like you would endlessly roast us for going inside. I went into one yesterday. You did? That's where I had my fish and chips. It was very pirate themed, very nautical themed. Was it that boat restaurant? No, not the boat restaurant, but it was near the water. It was very nice. Good. Yes. But Bristol has, like, obviously, it's a history of uh, blood and uh, slave trade. It's an interesting city as you look at a bit of its history. But a bit dark. A bit dark. Um, yeah. But all of the stuff I was reading about Blackbeard is all just the fact that all the stories are not true. Yeah. What? I thought Blackbeard, he's not a real person. But he's a real person. Is, but he, a, is he an amalgamation? There's a lot of, uh, I guess, storytelling when it comes to him. A lot of exaggeration. He You're had a lot a of... pirate, a man who fishes for a living would tell a lie. No. Pirates don't fish. They don't fish? No. no. Why not? They plunder. They were. They, they don't of, eat fish. You're whole, telling me a pirate doesn't eat a fish? They, I'm saying they don't fish themselves. The whole point of being a pirate is so you don't have to fish. So you're just going to go into a village and steal everyone's fish? Yeah. That's well, yes. being a pirate. Guys, so pirates are pirates are the, technically at the time, they were actually more accepted than they are now. They actually would use them all the time as reserves for the navies. So it's all of this stuff where you find out that they actually allowed a lot of this shit to happen. Mm. Essentially, it would it would become a side economy and that actually Blackbeard was closer to a sea businessman than a pirate. And well, yes, that's he exciting. did. No. And that's a problem. <laughs> but yes, he did light like firecrackers under his hat to make himself look more scary. Okay. He would do he wore his beard really long and he the idea is that he understood back then that the legend is more important than the fact. And so he would build up his own legend in order to use him use his own reputation's leverage. So then mm. when he'd show up in his big old ship with all the kind of shit, people would expect this guy that would fucking kill you and your fucking mother right. and he, you know, and he had sex with all the babies. And then you find out that like none of that's he was actually a very good negotiator and all, all of this shit. So he the story is actually better. No, it's didn't. worse because it's better. <laughs> you see, I think that's actually better that he didn't do all of those horrific things like he was he the lead singer things. of a metal band that's now in prison. No, but it's not as fun. It's not as fun because you want the story to be horrifying. It's like when we did the Donner Party. Yeah. The best part about the Donner Party was that you realized that the story was so much more metal once you went past the... Yeah. The, Ah, the story of the Donner Party. Like all of the A and E biographies are super boring and super dry, where you actually can get into it. So that's why I was like, I was going to talk more about it, and I was like, oh. Turns out he's just a good guy. No, he's not a good guy. He's an average guy. He was a man of his time. Interesting. He sounds like the fifth member of Pantera. The way he dresses. Yeah, he, that's what they, was they cool. Through, Pantera is a. Big time cowboy influence band or pirate influence band. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. No, he was very fashionable. That was kind of his thing. Well, he wore buckles. all black. That's the thing with cowboys and pirates. No one gives them enough credit for being so fashion forward. Pirates have more buckles than cowboys, though. You cowboys think so? Only, cowboys just got the one, the belt buckle. Pirates, pirates have, have like six or seven. I've pirates have more. Tr- I've seen some boot buckles on those cowboys. They'll put a boot buckle on there. 
pirates have more things to buckle to themselves. That's true. <laughs> they have more tools. That's true. Because that was so they, they had one cool thing that he did have. He was famous for having this sort of like a quiver of guns where he had this <laughs> strap on that would have three guns just on the back of it, which is fucking dope because sounds it like, took a, a long time to reload them. So yeah. you needed more guns. Yeah, he sounds like Cable. That's a pretty cool superhero right there. Yeah. There needs to be a pirate superhero. Is there anyone pirate influenced? I mean, technically, Nightcrawler, he had a pirate face. Is he a pirate? Nightcrawler had a pirate face. Okay. Yeah. Um, Also, I guess technically it's fucking, what's his name? Johnny Depp. Oh, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean, but he's not a superhero. He's just like a, a pedophile or something. I have no idea what, <laughs> what those, was his I've never seen one of those movies, but they're everywhere. What was his name, Ned? Uh, Jack Captain Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. That's right. I thought it was, for some reason it was like Johnny Rockets? Like something like that. Place? No, they, are very, they made that a much more cartoony version. But if you do walk around Bristol, it does feel a little Pirates of the Caribbean-y. But if I do say that, I feel like to a person on the street in Bristol, I'll get punched in the face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I had my little Bristol experience. You know what I did this weekend? What's you know that? what I did this week, rather? I conquered my fear of heights. <gasps> I went on a carousel, <gasps> and I sat there alone, and the man who put me on the Carousel. You know what? The, you know what? The cultural similarities. Uh huh. People who work in amusement parks. No teeth. <laughs> everywhere you go, a carney's a carney. A carney's a carney is a carney is a carney. And I got on, and I was like, I'm real scared of heights. Is this going to break? Made a little height and weight joke about myself, mm-hmm. but that was really just to be like. Make sure it doesn't fall. Um, and then as soon as I got on, he spun me around a whole bunch. And he was laughing and laughing. And I was like, okay, okay. And then I went up around and I had a great view of the city. And uh, I wasn't, it was scary, but it wasn't that horrifying. Oh, it's beautiful. So there I, you go. Conquer, conquer a fear this week. That's, that's what I say. Unless, of course, your fear is doing something like a mass shooting. In which case, don't conquer that fear. Yeah, why are you afraid uh, of that, of doing it? That's, that's a scary, but if you have, if you have a healthy fear, conquer that uh, this week. Hmm. And uh, do, something, do something that surprises even you. See, I try to do it. I went to go try to find a succulent UK meal. You are doing, I okay. Find a, because he started you reviewing. Are, Henry is on the road. We are, every time he, we come to Europe, mm-hmm. you always find the hipster place. I try which, to find something cool to eat at. Again, it just means the chef is gay. That is the only thing it means. And they're like, this is the coolest place in town. But you can't trust the food. Just go with the basics. I'm fish and chips. I had a great dinner last night. I needed a break. From the, I needed a break from the purely fried food. I needed a break. My whole body was like vegetables, something that you can recognize, something not brown. And so I went and I was like, you know what I kind of want? I kind of want a, a, a classy steak with vegetables and a salad, do a thing. Uh, and it's still weird. It still yeah. tasted weird. They did something to it. I made it weird. Oh, we went to that hipster place in Australia as well. They served the they served the kangaroo cold. I don't know why they do any of these things. Black and oh. blue. Come on. Oh, I just can't wait until later on today after I go to Arnos Vale Cemetery after oh. we uh, record. I'm going to go have a shepherd's pie, which I've been dreaming about for days now. Honestly, but that's where you'll you'll crush it. You're yeah. going to get it good. My, I also was looking at they have that play that Pie Meisters place that yeah, has all Yeah, that's where the, I'm going to go. That's yeah. supposed to be one of the best pie shops in all of Bristol. But there, the, there's like three of them. <laughs> you can do it. You know what I really want to try is Jelly Deal. Ooh, What's I that? could try Jelly Deal. It's exactly as advertised. Jelly Deal? <laughs> Jellied Eel. Jellied Eel. Yeah. Yes. 
Now, why do you want to try that? Because it's something new. Yeah, I'll totally try all that shit. Because like, uh, England is where I'll try all the weird foods because England is my ancestral land. <laughs> You're very, as soon as He's we land very in proud Europe, he, you are 99.8%? 99.8% yeah, English, yes. And then as soon as we landed in Bristol, Marcus looks at me, he's like, I smell the air. I feel like I belong here. <laughs> like, it smells, felt right. It, like, felt it just right. felt like, it just <laughs> felt like, yes. Yes, this you, is where my people are from. You with all the other tombstone people. <laughs> it's the same palette. But no, I understand. But my problem is, is having a pie in the middle of the day is difficult. No, it's fine. As long as there's no like sugar in it. As long as it's just like thick pastry pie. It'll be good. <sighs> yeah, it'll, it'll be, be great. Fucking belly, man. But jellied eel, for, honestly, though, there's Ugh. no difference between a jellied eel and a bear sausage in terms of what are we eating here. But in terms of... Loch Ness Monster. Have you read this? They have now. Oh, absolutely no. The eel has a long history of yes. culinary uh, uses here. Yeah, like it's yeah. a, it was a poor person's food back in the day because the River Thames used to be full of eels, <laughs> uh, and Get that's off. what all the poor people would eat. Interesting. And then eventually they flipped it and reversed it and made eel a delicacy. They made it something where all the rich people could eat it it's, once they saw how good the all the thing, poor people were having. It. I can guarantee it's the same thing about bear sausage. It's literally the same exact. thing. No, it's not. No one eats you bear. You literally have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Bear, apparently, Henry is a place where they make them into sausages. Uh, I mean, I'll eat it, but uh, apparently, Loch Ness Monster, what they just did was this huge re like search exhibition into like these people wanted to really talk about like let's nail down all the possible things a Loch Ness Monster could be. So sure. they did this sort of, I guess, they could take the water from the loch and they could do a DNA. Sampling. It's called eDNA, environmental okay. DNA. So okay. they could see everything that's in the environment. Yeah, but they didn't see any giant ancient creature DNA or whatever. They still don't know how to identify that. But the newest, latest theory of what the Loch Ness Monster could have been mm-hmm. is a theoretical giant eel. Well, I think that that still makes it the Loch Ness Monster then. Yeah, I think so. Be, yeah, it doesn't have to be. That's a cryptid in my books. Well, a but, giant ass eel. If you saw that shit when you were fucking playing <laughs> with your boy. Oh, my God. Well, the locals are not impressed with this at no. all. Like the local Loch Ness Monster uh, expert mm. says like every, any 12 year old boy knows that there are eels in Loch Ness. <laughs> Everyone knows there are eels there. This isn't a big eel. The fuck? I love cocky, like, boutique Loch Ness monsters, like, uh, trinket salesmen yelling at scientists. <laughs> I know. I know what's happening there. Look. But you know what it is, honestly? Is they are they do, don't want their money fucked with. No, they yeah. don't. Of course not. Of course. Because if you fuck, if you straight up and finally say that there's a reason and, and a what of what the Loch Ness Monster is, that ruins the mystery. But I actually don't think that would. If it's, It obviously is a once-in-a-lifetime size deal. Yeah, but so that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, but I'm not traveling from America to Loch Ness to see a big eel. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Maybe. If I was there already, yeah, I'd go look at a big old eel. Yeah, of I'd course. Go check yeah, it out. You, if there was a chance to see a big eel, yeah, I'd take an afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah see? So in the end, they still have the rubes. Yeah, they still have us, all the cryptid boys, like who are excited to go see it. Yeah, but then eels, also eels are just the tapeworms of the sea. <laughs> Is it true? I don't know. I actually don't know either. I'm not sure. I think snakes uh but didn't alistair crowley have a house on the loch ness as well yes he did who did alistair crowley mm-hmm. ah yeah so i would check that out in a yeah. fucking second think where he did his most famous rituals like the big big like evil rituals he did on loch ness yeah like when he was doing the that house that robert plant later bought he was Fuck doing yeah. that one ritual with that huge eel that he pumped full of steroids and he dropped it 
in Loch Ness. Alistair Crowley. <laughs> was it creator. up his asshole? It was up his butthole. That's why they're the tapeworms of the sea. Look, look and see my works. See what I can do as the tail just slapping against his thighs. Yes, yes, deeper. <laughs> well, speaking of traveling around, Marcus, you have got some research that you did on some of the locations we've been. I believe that this story crosses over both Ireland. I don't know what that is. Ireland? You just said it, like, it like my grandfather. Ireland? Ireland next week? Everyone wears feet. Everyone wears shoes on their hands and gloves on their feet. Um, and uh, it also uh, talks about Europe and some grave robbing. Oh, yeah. Today we'll be talking about famed 19th century Irish grave robbing serial killers, Burke and Hare. This shit was awesome. Marcus and I had a really great tourist day going through Dublin. Yeah. And so we went and we went to Christchurch um, for some reason. Then I found out that's Protestant. We've had a lot of bleak stuff about Ireland this yeah. trip. Yeah, this, we- this trip was fucking... Whew, they have got some stories. they got a bloody history. However, although they were Irish serial killers, their crimes were actually committed in Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh. But this, the inspiration for the story came from Marcus and I went on a ghost tour uh, of Dublin, mm-hmm. which was... And you um, were told to plug the guy. I am not going to. You're not going to. <laughs> uh, it, was a fi- it was fine. Okay. It was uh, fine until we discovered that they just took us on the, the ghost tour. was just, what, a three-block uh, circle? Yes, around our hotel room. <laughs> and then we found out that so all of these locations, I already knew. I didn't yeah. realize I knew them until all of a sudden we are after the bus tour and I was walking around Dublin being like, oh, I've just been looking at this shit for the last like three days. Yeah, This has all just been right around the apartment. <laughs> I've been going to that coffee shop. Yeah. Like literally right there. Yeah. It's kind of the ghost tour your mom goes on. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But otherwise, the one cool part was that they took us to a cemetery where they he started talking about the idea of professional grave robbing, which mm-hmm. I thought was absolutely fucking fascinating. And of course, yeah. synchronicity covering Mormonism and Joseph Smith. Of course. And this uh, story came from a book that a fan actually gave us in Dublin called Murder, Mutiny, and Mayhem by Joe O'Shea. Cool. Sounds good to me, Marcus. I love it. Well, Burke and Hare were not sexually motivated serial killers. They were in it completely for the profit, although the profit did not come from the victims themselves. What Burke and Hare were selling was the victims' bodies. Cool. Over a relatively short period of time, Burke and Hare murdered at least 16, but up to 30 people and sold their sometimes still warm bodies to Professor Robert Knox, who was a quote-unquote medical doctor Uh who paid a hefty sum for fresh cadavers. You know when he got these bodies and he feels it. It's like when you get like a fresh loaf of bread from the store and you're like, oh, still warm from the oven. (laughs) And as he's like going like little kisses, little kisses, like, ah, this is nice. It's still pink. I can kiss it and pretend it's alive. Yeah, what did this guy do with all those bodies? Was he a doctor? He was a doctor. He He was. He ran ran a little medical school and the bodies were still warm. Actually, it was his students that would comment on it where they would touch the body and they're like, bodies aren't supposed to be this fresh. No, it's better this way. You'll see, my little one. See how I can squeal. Oh, still nice and juicy. <laughs> no, unfortunately, this was sort of the natural progression for a business that had been thriving for decades. 
Burke and Hare were what were known as resurrection men, which was slang for guys who dug up fresh corpses and sold them to medical schools. Because hmm. back in the early 19th century, it was difficult for medical schools to get a hold of cadavers for medical students to dissect, especially in the UK, after they stopped using recently hanged criminals for studious evisceration, as a matter of course. So cool. All right. But you know, a tough day at school. Tough Monday to be hungover at school. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we did our first fetal pig dissection, Ugh, and that was a it. little rough for me in the beginning because I wasn't as quite as a culinary advanced man as I am today. Yeah, you were just, you weren't licking it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's good. But I do think there's something very suspicious about a boutique medical school. <laughs> I don't think anything, you never, I don't, I'm not looking for the indie hipster <laughs> medical school. I don't even trust Tom Savini's medical school and all the cadavers are fake. <laughs> or or, or uh, whatever school he does, Tom Savini. Special effects school. Live from your grave. From your grave. Well, regardless, the medical students still needed cadavers. So the resurrection men stepped in to fill the demand. Grave robbing became such a problem that the wealthy actually started taking measures to prevent this from happening. If you had money, it wasn't rare to cover a loved one's grave with a slab of granite or marble or to encircle the burial place with high spiked rails. And a lot of graveyards had night watchmen that would shoot trespassers on sight. Cool. Mm, I would say just bury me face down, ass up. And when they try to dig it up. They got a funny little joke because then they got to look at my butt. <laughs> they just start having sex with it. <laughs> well, honestly, <laughs> I'm not one of those big corp. Like I, like you're sorry, not one of those no, big corpse guys. You know what people? Right, you know cool. I am not. You yeah, can put that on no, record. No. <laughs> That's on record now, public. Um, but I don't understand the whole like when I'm dead, I want to be cremated. And all that. I really don't care. Yeah. David Cross actually used to do a funny bit about that. Yeah. Throw me in the care. throw me in the trash. Who gives a shit? No. Yeah. Use my body for science and see what happens. Happens. See how a genius's brains looks from the inside, uh, yeah. and then they're just like cutting open my balls and saying out like Ugh, Polish cum is weird. <laughs> well, what we discovered was that uh, a lot of times these grave robbers, these resurrection men, they wouldn't actually dig into the grave themselves. They had armies of orphan children yeah. that they would pay to go down into the graves and like put a hook underneath the deceased person's chin and then they'd Pull them up. It was really cool because on the tour, it was a bunch of all these people were like shaking their heads because the guy was like, they, they, he would use orphaned children to dig way down into the grave. And, you, and everyone's like, that's horrible. And both Marcus and I were like, I think that's great. My question <laughs> is, is that when the kids were doing it, were they doing all the hard work because they send the kids in to bury and through? T- no one was asking questions. It's like, the, yeah. it's like the cartoon, The Rescuers. Yes. Yeah. When, they the, used when to- Henry raised his hand, the guy definitely was like, I usually don't get questions on this part of the tour. I don't understand why, though. It's the most fascinating <laughs> part of the whole thing. The kids would tunnel down, and he said because they were they got hands small enough to really get in right, there, they can right. displace more dirt. They would hack open the top of the casket and get to the face. And then those kids, their jobs were to be to remove all the teeth and scoop out the eyeballs because if they couldn't get up, because they would shove a hook in the chin bone, uh-huh. right, to lift it up. But sometimes it would snap the chin bone when they were trying to pull the corpse up through the hole of the casket. 
So then they would have to get whatever items they could get. So the kids would like literally pop out the eyeballs and all this shit. And we were laughing. And everyone was <laughs> staring at me like I was a crazy person. I mean, it's weird to say, but I think if I was an orphan in Ireland back in the day, it's probably kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. What else are you going to do with your day? Yeah, of course. You go in, you pop out eyeballs, you bring them up to Old Crow. And you get and you get praised for it. Do you imagine Marcus is a boy? If his oh. ancestral boyhood and Marcus being like, Marcus. Yes, I'll do it for free. <laughs> Marcus, we really love what you're doing. We really love what you're doing. I... Is, yeah. is there a, such a thing as like doing too good of a job? <laughs> because uh, I do it when you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you guys are uh, really big on the grave robbing business here, but I've got a couple of suggestions that I think we can really take this to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> I like our new business partner. It's like Shark Tank. <laughs> Well, if you weren't one of the people in the British Isles that was rich enough for granite or iron gates or hired help, your family or friends were forced to stand guard over your grave for days until the body rotted enough where it was no longer useful to medical students. Interesting. Can you imagine depending upon Holden McNeely <laughs> to watch your grave. <laughs> hey, yeah, I had to leave. My switch ran out of batteries. Uh, I want to go, but now I'm just looking. I fell asleep. How long am I supposed to stay here? I've been here almost full 25 minutes. <laughs> well, flip it in reverse it. Bring some brews. Have a good time with your friends, perhaps. Have a party, maybe. That'd be a nice wake, actually. I, I think a graveside wake would be a lot more more fun than like the stodgy funeral home wake. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A nice outdoor because we all love drinking outside. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You get a trash can, put some wood in there, get a fire going. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun just hanging out there burning tires around the grave, (laughs) fucking ripping bongs, making sure no one gets in there. No one. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. And this was very necessary because resurrection men would stay on the lookout for funeral possessions for funeral processions and would fall in line behind the actual grieving families so they could follow them to a new harvesting opportunity. That's so much fun. (laughs) Right. And sometimes they wouldn't even have to do that because resurrection men often worked with the grave diggers themselves who would purposely make the grave much shallower than normal for ease of retrieval. I don't think that's fair. I Why? think you got to go the full six feet if you're going to get the body. Nah, you buddy. You want the prize, you got to work for it. Yeah. I don't know, but it's all about shortcuts, buddy. You got to find guess. out. As, if this is your business, think yeah. about how we even do this show. We are now sitting here. We're doing a Relax Fix episode. I don't have a shirt on. You got your little, you got your toes out, which is strange to see. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of nasty. No, but I'm fine. I don't show my feet because my feet are also little goblin feet. Yeah. I don't want anybody to see them. But we've tried to find a way to do this as with as much, as little, like... As we can. If you're grave robbing, you go for like you know someone really skinny. Marcus still just wrote an eight page script, and this is the week that we asked him to take it off. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So it's like we 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 just dig our hole like ten feet, and then these this week we like we'll only do seven feet this yeah. week. No, no, I like it. Yeah, I he know. likes <laughs> he likes it. I know he sits here, consumes all the sugary and all the all the pickled eel potato chips. No pickled onion, sir. Walker's Monster Munch. Mm, your nose and- Honestly, I want oh, to smell dude, that. it smells so good. Oh, I'll smell it. Oh, dude. I really, I don't it like it. How do you guys? It is disgusting. That? That's like one of my favorite smells on earth. It smells like how a cancer dog 
tells if you have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so oh, oh my god! It oh, just man. smells like a constable's feet. I got two bags <laughs> because does. I knew I was going to want another one immediately. <laughs> These are Funyuns. Yeah. No, but they're better. Oh no, they're so much better than Funyuns. Funyuns are nothing compared yeah, to Marvel. All right, let's get back to a less horrific story about grave robbing, please. Get this away from me. <laughs> God, I can't wait until this episode's over so I can eat more of them. You'll Ugh. get them, buddy. Oh, my God. We gotta keep them right next to me so I can sniff them when I'm Travis, this is a note. We need to change these mic covers after this trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what these people would do, they sometimes they wouldn't even wait until the person was dead. Some gangs had a network of informants in lodging rooms, poorhouses, and back alleys in the major cities, and those informants would summon a resurrection man when it seemed like someone was close to death. That's so <laughs> fucking fun. That's so much fun. You it's just so, want. Uh, <laughs> why are you guys? Why are you guys getting so close to me? Um, why are you guys surrounding me like this? Uh, Here's more pickled onion monster much. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, what's this gonna do? Like we're in here for the long haul. We, not, we want a nice pickled body and see what it does to the kidneys. <laughs> then, once the person died, the gang would sweep up the corpse and hustle it over to the medical school where the doctor would pay him 10 pounds sterling, which may not sound like a lot, but that was half of what an average laborer could make in a year. What? Damn. Yeah. How they much pay- is a sterling? Uh, 10 pounds. Like sterling silver, yeah. So, like, 100 oh, bucks? No, pounds as in their... Yeah, no, I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, ten pounds, whatever ten pounds is worth. It but that's point. like a hundred pounds, essentially. No, it was still just ten pounds. That's the, what they'd make for a whole year. They made twenty pounds a, a whole year. This would, dude. This was like. But 17... they also have a pence. Don't forget about that. Ah, uh, yeah. pence. This was the late 18th century. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So like ten pounds sterling. Yeah, uh, twenty pounds is what most like an average laborer, like your factory workers or your you know horseshoers or whichever whatever. But hey, man, that's not a proper thing to name someone who sells shoes to sex workers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll come out. Oh, man. Boy, that's a boom right there. That's a boom, that's a boom shakalaka. Boom goes the dynamite from downtown. <laughs> but all you have to do is get a body. Of course you become a serial killer. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> You're totally incentivized to do it. Well, this would have been Dahmer's prime time. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as legalities went, the courts were pretty wishy-washy when it came to the resurrection men. The official word from the courts was that a body was not property. Nobody owned a body. So the huh. theft so the theft of a body was not considered a crime. However, the clothes or jewelry buried with the corpse were indeed property. So if a body was taken clothed and bejeweled, then you'd have a criminal case. Okay. But since a body was worth more than the clothes or the jewelry, many resurrection men took the corpses nude and threw their clothes back into the now empty grave. Oh my God, what a waste. That's so funny that that was the crime is taking all the jewels. I'd also be very mad. If I just saw a bunch of really useful jewels just being buried with my fucking aunt. Yeah. I'd be like, can we just make some replica jewels so she can remember them and then we can have the jewels? I agree. I don't understand people who bury themselves with their, all their treasure. No, I don't get it either. I'm going to have a fucking joint in my lips. Oh, yeah, probably, that's fun. That's different. That's yeah, fun. that's totally different. 
But sometimes medical students didn't wait for the resurrection men to do the dirty work for them. Sometimes the medical students would go out on their own. And Ed Gein himself said that he was inspired by stories of medical students in the 1800s robbing graves. He huh. said that's what gave him the idea. How the hell did he hear about that in Plainfield, Wisconsin? Ed Gein was extremely well read. Really? Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, uh, he had a lot of time on his hands. He had a lot I of time on his hands. that's true. Yeah. He'd go to the library. He was uh, really big into stories about, like... Um, cannibals uh he read like true crime magazines and hmm. he said that it was uh the medical students going out that gave him the idea to go out into the graveyards of plainfield uh and uh dig up uh, corpses okay. for his own because he said i always wanted to be a doctor i always wanted to be a doctor you could just see like the <laughs> skull light bulbs flickering above his head <laughs> I can't stand going to eight years of school because the girls don't like me feeling them for their side. No, they don't. <laughs> but that I I love this concept of the people were very. We now consider it to be morbid and insane, but at the time, it I guess society itself was probably also against it. They didn't like it. But They're I love the idea that death, though, the maybe. doctors with cold reasoning mm -hmm. were like. But science must continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in one instance, two groups of students hoping to rob the same grave on the same night oh. got into a brawl with pickaxes and crowbars in the middle of the <laughs> night over who would have the right to take home the fresh corpse that both of them had came for. So it didn't end like Lady and the Tramp where they were both sucking on the same intestine <laughs> and sort of kissing in the middle. That's too bad. And on and on it went for a good 60 years. This eventually became like kind of a part of British Isles culture where you just kind of knew resurrection men were around the corner. It's like piracy. Yeah, and because yeah. around, like, you can actually still, the cemetery that I'm going to today, I'm actually going to be on the lookout for those long, uh, those long iron bars around graves because you can still see those yeah. in a lot of British Isle cemeteries. Cool. But what finally brought the practice to a permanent end was the actions of William Burke and William Hare. Fly from your grave. Fly from your grave. Now, although they'd both come from Ireland, the two of them met in Edinburgh somewhere in the 1820s. But while Burke had, at the very least, a mind enough to come up with a scam, Hare was an absolute fucking moron. Hmm. One witness said he was, quote, "...the most brutal man ever subjected to my sight, and at first look, seemingly... An idiot. <laughs> See, this is a good game that Kissel and I can play all the time. When we go out, and like, I'm the little, because, you know, you always have to pull the of mice and men, like, <laughs> bit. You, do we always have to pull that bit? Always got to do right? it. That's our scam, where you go, oh, oh Henry. If you do that, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, these people are too smart to fall for our scam, yeah, big boy. <laughs> and it's like, as you go around, people start to assume your story, but then they don't know that actually you do have a mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very fun game that you play inside of your own mind, yeah. unbeknownst to me. That's how I see you all the time, <laughs> as right. a big brute with a bowler hat on, with hey. me, like, Fagin-like, with my little short pants on, and, a, and a, a little, you know, bushel of coins. I was walking around the park yesterday trying to talk to the birds, mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you just—I saw you yelling at birds yeah. on your Instagram, and so then I was on—I was—I was in—I was eating some white bread over there because that's the only kind of bread they have around here. And then I was like, I'm going to bring this out and feed the birds. And the guy was like, No, and he took my plate away because he said they have to be natural predators. Mm. He took your plate away? Yeah, because I was done with the soup. <laughs> he took. This because man I told him. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm going to feed the birds with all this. Yeah, and then he's like, Oh no, you can't do that. 
because they need to be natural predators. But then he took the food out of your hands? Then he brought me my fish and chips. <laughs> oh, okay. So, appetite. no, he was the waiter. Yeah, he was the bartender. Was okay, okay. Yeah, no, yes. no, what, he wasn't just like the man in the park who takes wow. care of the birds. <laughs> no, no, you can't take care of my tribe. Yeah, you thought a man just took food out of your hands. No. Like, what brave, what fucking daredevil would go up to a six foot seven man and just take food out of his hands? Risky guy. Well, Burke and Hare did not kill in order to support their family or to merely survive. These men were both degenerate gamblers and drinkers, and their only purpose in life was to feed these two habits. And on November 27, 1827, they accidentally discovered a scheme that they thought would keep them in poker chips and booze for the rest of their miserable lives. Podcasts. Podcasting, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> See, on that night, an elderly lodger at Hare's Place, known only as Old Donald, died. <laughs> This left Hare in a predicament because old Donald still owed four pounds in rent. So Hare went to his good friend Burke, always the brains of the operation, and asked him what he should do. What do we got to do, Henry? What do we got to do? <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, Kessel. We profit. <laughs> well, Burke said he'd heard tell of a business opportunity at the local medical school in which crazy Dr. Knox would pay anyone ten pounds for a body. No question asked. And sure enough, when they went, Knox gave him seven pounds, ten shilling for old Donald. Okay, but he got kind of a discount on him. Uh, yeah, first time discount. We're making okay. money on money, man. Okay. And Knox made sure to tell him he'd always pay good money for whatever corpses they might happen upon. Man, it's like a drug dealer. Yeah. He gives you that first hit for free. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Burke and Hare went and got their wives, told them about the scheme, and everyone went out and got drunk together to celebrate their new careers. Hurrah! This is our job now, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible! It's a great night, man, to be a fly on the wall there. Man, oh. that money went away immediately. Oh, immediately, yeah. yeah. That's how you keep yourself in business. That's what we're learning. <laughs> Card. That's what. That's the Norm McDonald trick. You keep your back against the work. wall. Yes. <laughs> well, naturally, it wasn't too long before these two men put two and two together and figured out that it was a hell of a lot easier to make corpses than it was to wait until an old man died in their house or to dig up a corpse from a graveyard. Hey, Henry. You only think about how, like, when we're all walking around, it's just like we're corpses. But we're alive. Ah, <laughs> you big dummy. You've just hit it. You've just hit our ski, didn't you? I mean, honestly, that's great. That's better than selling dirt. <laughs> There's people everywhere. So Burke and Hare got to the business of murder. Murder. In December of 1827, Hare had another sick lodger on his hands named Joseph Miller, and the boys figured they were about to earn another easy payday. But when Miller started showing signs that he was going to recover, Burke and Hare took it upon themselves to make sure he didn't. No! So what are you, so what are you doing? Are you going out for a walk? Yeah, actually, I think um, my fever broke last night, so I'm actually feeling right better. God damn it! <laughs> Uh, what's wrong? Why are you two guys staring at me? <laughs> and here, the pair actually showed a little foresight. They knew that they wouldn't be able to sell a body if they showed up with an obvious murder victim. So they came upon a technique that came to be known as burking. Ooh, that's cool. So like fletching? <laughs> Hair would sit on the... Felching. Felching, not yes. fletching, yeah. Ugh. 
Hare would sit on the victim's chest while Burke would clamp down on their nose and mouth. This is our finishing move, Kessel. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, and that would suffocate them to death. That's that- the best move I've ever heard. So I just got to sit here. Yeah, that's all you have to do, my big friend. Oh, and how you'll make that sweet, sweet dollop. I'll sit on Yoko's Venus guy. I know you will. Anything to keep him easy and relaxed. <laughs> this way, the person would die without any pesky knife wounds or strangulation marks. Okay. Hey, I got your nose, got your nose, you little motherfucker. <laughs> brutal uncle's way to kill someone. Kiss, are you enjoying the ride? Love it. <laughs> and when Knox took Joseph Miller off Burke and Harris' hands with a smile, the two men figured they'd come up with the smartest goddamn scheme <laughs> of the century and got to work dispatching dozens more. Now, Knox himself is an interesting character. People would later discover that his skill as a quote-unquote surgeon was mostly self-taught. Ah, so another <laughs> boutique. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And although he later called Burke and Hare, quote, Celtic thugs, he never asked questions as long as the bodies they delivered were clean. And they went about this business for months, burking people left and right that no one would miss. Then they'd spend the next week or so getting fucked up and gambling away all their money with their wives until the money ran out. And then they'd go out and do it again. They had wives? They had wives, and the wives were in on it. That's so oh, nice. Oh, well, that's love. Yeah, the that's wa- true love. It's not true love. I think it's true scumbaggery. I think it's just a bunch of scummy you fucking people. You they loved each other? I, scummy people love each other just as much as classy do. I'll show you later. Than. I don't think they did. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later on in the story. And we know that they did this at least 16 times because Burke actually kept a ledger of each time they murdered someone, along with how much they got paid for each body. That's to kind of give itself an air of business. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, honestly, technically, it is a business. Technically, uh, it's a business, but it's also very hard evidence for murder. Yeah. Yes, but unless you wrote, like, Burkdom, Burkdom, They did. Burkdom. He ah, did. That's <laughs> dumb. That is dumb. Tried yeah. to Burkdom, yeah. slapped him. <laughs> and honestly, you know, it's possible, if not probable, that Burke and Hare were not the first men to have come across this scheme. But they were certainly the last because they were the first to get caught. Mm. And, ha- and as it has been since time immemorial when it comes to serial killers, they only got caught after they murdered someone that people missed. Because until this point, nobody noticed anyone was even missing, much less dead. Because what are they, basically they're going after like travelers, like people that are away from home and, 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 and derelicts. Yes, derelicts, tramps. Yeah, people that no, just people that no one's going to miss. People sure. like no one knew that they were there. The only thing about using them for medical research is that don't you realize that every single cause of death is strangulation? So it's like every single cause of death. Suffocation. Is the same thing. Ah, suffocation. <laughs> hmm. That's, I was like, we're getting really good at finding out who got burnt. <laughs> oh, well, they're not looking at these bodies as, uh, from a sort Sort of like autopsy standpoint. It's like yeah. anatomical. It's totally anatomical. All these guys are doing because you know at that point, like we like the anatomical knowledge is a relatively new thing, and you know the of America of uh, 
of world uh, knowledge. We like, thought we right. were run by various humors for, yeah. mer- for a lot of period of time, like these weird kind of like, and also diagrams of us being filled with tiny machines <laughs> that I used to think about a lot as a little boy. I used to act like a robot at dinner and I used to eat spaghetti and go, chomp, 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 and just pretend like I, w- yeah. I had a bunch of little machine men in my head and stuff that were like operating hmm. levers in order for me to eat. That's I just fun. don't know why your parents put you in that special needs class. They <laughs> thought I was supposed to be in it because I couldn't tie my shoes until I was nine. (laughs) But Burke and Hare finally got on the Bobby's radar Uh when they murdered a beloved street entertainer named James Wilson, street name Daft Jamie. (laughs) Oh, he's having fun. That's my ancestor. Yeah. Just fucking smacking himself in the head with a dead chicken and being like, I fucking love this guy. This is the best. He was Steve-O. Yeah, he was a little slow. Uh, he was definitely slow, but people loved him. He was there a beloved street entertainer, so when he disappeared one cold Edinburgh Eve, people noticed. <sighs> and what was more, Burke and Hare actually made more than their regular fee because one of Jamie's feet was interestingly deformed. <laughs> 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 At least in Dr. Knox's eye. So he gave Burke and Hare an extra five pounds. Ah, wonderful. Wow. This dullard's feet are completely crooked. Here's an extra sterling for you. Killed it. Thugs. <laughs> That's so much fun. Because, you know, you just walk in there and just be like, you know what? What's our street really missing? I'm so used to hearing that man going, with the pants on his feet. Yeah. That's the sound I'm missing. He's, yeah, he had the half foot. Yeah. I love that guy. I, I, I met some great street uh, performers in Dublin. It was yeah. those men sitting on the park bench. I thought they were statues. Yeah, those guys were great. They scared yeah. me. Did you meet them or were you just looking at them? I looked at them and I gave them 10 pounds because that was all I had, or 10 euro, and then they moved their hands for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all they did. You start to open opening up your fly and start blowing you in the square. What kind of statue is this? Well, as soon as Daft Jamie ended up on the table, a few of the students immediately recognized the telltale deformed foot of their favorite street performer. So like, I think that's Daft Jamie. I'm pretty certain because I remember when Daft Jamie did that whole bit where he says, you see how much of my half foot I can put on my mouth? Do you remember that bit? Man, that was a funny bit. It's too bad, man. He was just spreading joy in a joyless time. Mm-hmm. And But Knox quickly brushed aside the possibility that it was Daft Jamie uh, by making sure to start the dissection with the face before anyone got a good look. Uh, he's, he always has a plan out. You he know? does. He, he does. always has a plan. And Burke and Hare might have even gotten away with that murder, but they went one step too far and murdered a beautiful girl named Mary Patterson, uh. who was rumored to be a sex worker, but was in fact just a groovy freewheeling chick. Mary had been lured along with a friend named Janet Brown to a house rented by William Burke's brother, and they were plied with whiskey until Mary passed out. Janet figured there was something a little off about this situation, so she left and told her landlady what was going on. But by the time Janet got back, Mary was dead and hidden under a pile of straw in the back room, and soon she was on her way to Dr. Knox out in Surgeon Square. Mm. And Dr. Knox got Super weird with this one. Since Mary Patterson was beautiful, Dr. Knox kept the body preserved in a barrel of whiskey for three months. Just taking it out every once in a while and looking at it and putting it back in. (laughs) Well, I mentioned. Taking it out, looking at it. 
putting it back in. I mentioned I'm not much of a corpse guy, but uh, you guys could do that with me. You can dump me in a bo- bat of whiskey. <laughs> I don't oh, think we got but- one big enough, buddy. Yeah, buddy, it's a lot of whiskey. Come on. Oh, I didn't know I was entering a roast mode today. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like um, you say weird, but I say this. The man was just um, being a real scientist. He was what not was the being. Sci- what was what was he trying to figure out? No, he out? wasn't what- being a scientist. He actually brought in a series of local artists to sketch the dead body. Wow. Scientists. I don't know what he's trying to figure out. <laughs> and then after he finally took the body out of the barrel of whiskey and uh, dissected it, he sold the whiskey to a local pub. Whoa, yeah, dead lady juice. Uh, <laughs> that's a big... very interesting. I know that that, again, inappropriate. And I imagine if you drank it, you'd probably not feel very good. I would no. think you would get sick. Unless it made you... Feel really great. I don't know. <laughs> we, I don't think we're ever going to have that chance. But before word of Mary's disappearance at Burke's brother's house got around to the Bobbies, Burke and Hare would commit one more murder: that of elderly Irish lady Mary Talkerty. Now, the partnership between the Burks and the Hares was already starting to fall apart because the Burks had started accusing the Hares of selling bodies on the sly Whoa. without cutting in the Burks. Oh, no my, oh, wow, this is unreal. <laughs> Honestly, that is because we've already we have a perennial agreement that the three of us will work on things together. And we and when it's within the last podcast network name, we split it equally. No That's matter right, what. Right. And so even if we do get in the grave robbing business and I'm looking at you, Kissel, you're going to we're going to split it up equally. We have to because yeah. we make that promise here on the show right now. All right. See? That's real, <laughs> that's right, real partners. <laughs> but this is why serial killers have a hard time ha- having partners. Yeah. Because these seem... Yeah, I think they're not the most, like, um, I don't know... Honest? Like, yeah. And they're not forthright? Not but, like, team players. You no. Know, because yeah. the Hillside Stranglers, right? Like, they also had inner uh, tension. Well, the uh, Chicago Riffers mm. also had right. inner tension. Kind of like a band. I, I mean, it sounds like... It's kind of like, like a band, Paul isn't it? Paul and John fighting with each other. But, it, again, it just seems like serial killing for the most is a solo expedition up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things only got worse when a couple who were lodging next to the old Irish lady started asking why she disappeared so suddenly, and they were not satisfied with the excuse that she had been asked to leave after getting, quote, overly friendly with Burke. Oh, you Ooh. know Burke, you can't resist him. Can't resist him. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to spend some time with you, lady. Like, they be like, I love how big and bulbous his knees are. <laughs> Not satisfied, the nosy couple next door checked Doherty's room and found Mary Doherty slowly rotting under the bed where she had slept just a couple nights previous. Okay, now, does the whole town just smell like corpses? Because you would think that they would smell a corpse under the bed unless the entire town just smells like the gout. She was in the room next door and it takes a couple of it takes a while for a body to really start reeking through the walls. I have had a chicken Caesar salad in my hotel room for three days. Uh, Not this time, but I said, no, don't come in here. And an old chicken Caesar salad. And by six hours in. It smelled like a corpse. Yeah, but you're in the same room. The person in the room next to you can't smell that Caesar sa- that chicken uh, salad hope sandwich. Not. Uh. Um, but th- also, the place did smell like shit. Yeah. But the time period when we covered Jack the Ripper, remember that people were just dumping their fucking duke out on the street. Yeah. There yeah. was a lot of is human filth. Those, is that what those little uh, crevices were in the streets of Dublin? Crevices? You know, did you see the little dip, the little slide? I think that was for the Duke. I think that was a Duke train back in the day. There's also certain places where st- carriage grooves, 
where carriages yeah. used to go to and they would make grooves in the street. It could be that. Could be that. It could be dumper gutters. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's wild, man. People were crazy. People crazy. <laughs> People are crazy. <laughs> well, after the couple found Mary Doherty's corpse, they went to the police, reported the Burks, and it all came tumbling down. Aww. Now, naturally, the men both blamed each other, but the women... Flipped immediately and both blamed the men. <laughs> as old as time. That's just smart, though. Yeah. In the end, I feel like we all kind of have an agreement, and it's you know you got the we know you're going to flip, so you just got to figure out a way to like you know kind of alleviate what was going to happen in the afterwards a little bit. Well, eventually, Hare, the dumb one, was convinced to turn coat on Burke, and Burke was quickly sentenced to death by hanging for the murders of Mary Doherty, Jamie Wilson. And Mary Patterson. Damn you, Kazan! Uh-oh. <laughs> and as it was in those days, 25,000 people showed up to watch Burke hang in Edinburgh's lawn market. And soon yeah. after, a mob gathered and burned down the medical school where Dr. Knox was employed. <laughs> That's a day! That's now a that day. is a day! That's a whole day! That is like, oh, wow! That's like Coach V. He said, you gotta laugh, you gotta cry, and you got to think every single day. What? Coach... Velvano. Who's Coach Velvano? He died of cancer. He gave a very motivational speech at the ESPYs. At the, at the Henry, you don't need to know. He laughed. He says laugh, cry, and, and think. think every day. Well, you have to think. We, you, you think, therefore, you are. Coaches are very motivational. I know, but I don't cry every day. Coaches also tend to say things that are extremely common sense, that, uh, and then they pass it off as uh, deep wisdom. Uh, it is deep <laughs> wisdom. Common sense. <laughs> I don't want to cry every day. You're crying right now. <laughs> let's just my let's go burn down this goddamn stuff. Yeah, let's yeah, go burn down. Yeah. See how fun that is. Now, hair got off scot free. He did scot free because he turned coat, and there was not much evidence because most of the bodies that they had murdered had already gone through the dissection process <sighs> and were now I don't know glue something. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. Literally, like pigeon food. Yeah. Jeez. They were fucking gone. Well, you don't want to feed the pigeons. They, they need to be natural predators. <laughs> I've never even heard that before. They need to be natural <laughs> I predators. told me. We're in a different country. We have to follow the customs. I follow the rules. With yeah. But Hare was chased out of Scotland and died as a blind beggar in London many years later, huh. while the women went off to Australia and Ireland, respectively. Knox, though, tried to flip it and reverse it by doing the UK lecture circuit on an, as an expert on the criminal mind. That's oh, so awesome. He wants to be Loomis. He wants to be Dr. Loomis you, from Halloween. He essentially became Dr. Loomis. That's oh, awesome. My God. Michael. Michael. <laughs> oh, a part of me thinks that you're the psychopath, Dr. Loomis. These are the first words I've ever said as Michael Myers. <laughs> well, his specialty was racial theory because oh. this was, but this was back in a time when uh, they're like, oh, yes. The Irish are a different race from us Anglo-Saxons. <laughs> because he said that he had the inside knowledge, the mind of the Celtic thug, whom he claimed could fool even the most intelligent of Saxons. I don't know if that's true. I don't know, but I will say that you could find that that weird inner white people racism ended up creating a, a whole uh, series of conflicts in Ireland, which made it sort of like a big old... Uh, Fiddle-filled Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tense country. It's a you tense still country. Feel it. You still feel it. like, yeah, the oh, rising, yeah. the troubles. Like, you still feel that to this day. It's, it's pretty intense. It's crazy. I mess with them. And, of course, 
all of this finally led to sweeping legislation when it came to how medical schools got a hold of bodies. Finally, after 60 years of grave robbing, the Warburton Anatomy Act actually criminalized the practice for the first time and gave medical schools permission to use unclaimed bodies from workhouses and hospitals for dissection instead of buying them from men like Burke and Hare. This All is right. like when they started making it like illegal for kids to not wear helmets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? This is the nanny state. And yeah. unfortunately, in Edinburgh, we, we're not going to be able to see it. Burke's skeleton is on display in Edinburgh no. in an old museum, but it's closed right now. No! Yeah. yeah. Right. And there's actually a, a notebook made from Burke's skin. That's awesome! That's like, on display in this museum. <laughs> but yeah, my buddy Neil told me it's fucking closed right now, so we can't go. You really you know? wonder why people get so afraid of white people. And then <laughs> you come know. to these yeah. countries, and they just did fucked up stuff. Absolutely. We, we walked by the... Uh, like Marcus and I had a little bit of a sightseeing little walkabout this morning, and we walked to was the Hatchet Inn. The Hatchet Inn, yeah. We walked over there where it's like supposed yeah. to have like a section of the door supposed to have human skin like embedded in it, and we looked at it, and it's just paint. It looks just yeah, it just looks like paint. But that's the funny thing about these cool. places that like I just last night posted on Instagram a video of a dog eating a traffic cone, uh, and then someone commented like, "Go to the Hatchet Inn." Got skid on the door. It's exactly the same here. <laughs> Maybe they should just start feeding their animals. Yeah. Maybe that's what needs to happen. That no, dog I... fucked up that cone for like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. I, I walked past. Kind of a fun chew toy for a dog. I walked past the same dog, and it was owned by a homeless woman. And the homeless woman was doing this thing. She was sort of. There was a elderly tourist couple sitting on a bench while that dog was going. <laughs> and this weird homeless woman was dancing in front of them and they were both sitting and they were looking as if they thought that this was a show. <laughs> they had smiles on their faces yeah. like that. and eventually but the woman went and she grabbed the cone and slapped the dog with it and the dog went Argh! and the dog started biting on the cone and they're pulling back and forth she let the dog have it but then she did this weird whirling dervish like <laughs> dance in front of the couple and they're like uh -huh. See, that's that's the great great granddaughter of Daffy Stew or whatever the hell the name of that guy was. <laughs> there, Club Clubfoot John. What was his name again? Daft Jamie. Daft Jamie. <laughs> well, that is a wonderful story, Marcus. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Do you think Daft Jamie? Might be like the great great grandfather of Jamie Kennedy. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. That we have we have more to come. We have our journeys continue. They do. We, we realize here. this. We're going to be here a long time. Yeah, yeah, buddy. We got really hammered the very last night in Dublin. Remember, because we were staying at that wonderful Fitzwilliam Hotel. Oh, great hotel. And and the <laughs> here has been wonderful as well. Mm -hmm. We should we should praise hotels as opposed to just diss on the Hyatt place. In Saint Saint Paul, Paul Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, go to fuck, go fuck yourself. Uh, but we went there, and it legitimately, I thought it was Kissel lore, right? Because you were like, it's got a twenty four seven bar, and I was like, I don't, I don't believe the hotel. you. Yes, yeah. because at first I just thought they were just feeding you booze to keep <laughs> you from destroying the lobby. Yeah. But then we sat at this bar at the hotel, and for people that are staying there, it's twenty four seven, where there's no bartender. It's just like The Shining, where really you're just is. sitting really in a, a bar alone. There's nobody in there. Silent, silent, silent. We're sitting there, and then but all you do is like, I need a drink, and you yell, <laughs> and the person from reception like. Kinda runs <laughs> yeah. over, pours you drinks, 
and then goes they go back. back. And the reason that they allow it is because it's, he says a lot of Americans stay here. Mm-hmm. If it was Irish people, they said that they would not allow it because they don't know how to, like, they don't know how to stop drinking. Uh. And then he said, um, but the Americans, they're very conservative. They only have one or two. And I was sitting like, there like, what? <laughs> I've I, never heard I, that. I was very happy for us, though. Like, we did not. I was happy that Americans represented our country so well. I mean, yeah. it's a violent lie. No, that we no don't it's not. Alcohol, no, we know. How, we actually know how to. We do know how to drink. That is one thing that I've noticed here is that they like to drink until they are monsters. What? <laughs> no, that was funny when he said the Irish were ruined. He's just like, because I don't know how to tell you this, but sometimes the Irish they drink just a drink. <laughs> no way! What? That's crazy. I certainly don't ever do That's that. That's insane. Those aren't our lineage people. By any chance, no. are um, So yes, we will be out on the road. Can't wait to see everyone. We got Berlin. We're close. We're we're nipping it up with Berlin. But before that, we got Stockholm. We got London. We got Manchester, Edinburgh, Birmingham, Birmingham. It's going to be a blast. I want to go to that uh, Black Sabbath museum they have in Birmingham. Oh yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, dude, you have to. It's the birthplace of heavy metal. Um, all right, is there anything else, guys? I think that's all we got. I think that's it. That's it, man. We got Mormonism part. 19 coming next week. We are really like about really rounding the corner on here. We have learned quite a bit. We Again, we're going to address a lot of the stuff that people have sent to us. I'm very, very excited to continue on this tour. I am, oh man, I am just deep in it. I watched a full Mormon ritual last night. Ooh, I watched someone brought in a hidden cam into wow. one of the temples and I watched all hour and 20 minutes of it. Damn. And it is... It is interesting. All right. And if you want to send us your stories on uh, your experience with Mormonism, perhaps you're a Mormon or an ex-Mormon, uh, side stories, L-P-O-T-L at gmail.com. Also, talk to us about goddamn bear sausage. I want to find out if people have had this thing and how often people are eating it. And if you, I, I guarantee, if I get at least, because I imagine you're people gonna, are going to We're going to get five people being like, I've had it before, but that means that, like, how many listeners do we get? About two to three million an episode now? We're going to get, like... Zero point zero 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 like one percent. That's who I'm looking for. <laughs> the exceptional boys. Uh, bears are omnivores, so their meat tends to taste like their last meal. Cool. So if a bear ate a bunch of shit, or what? If, but honestly, now what if the bear ate one of your pickled ginger <laughs> ales or whatever? That then you then we're then we're talking about a horse of a different color. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bear of a different pant size. Ooh, tastes like pickled onions. <laughs> I love it. Uh, honestly, yeah, the good. Bears eat honey sometimes. Oh, they're cute. Yeah, um, do rip whole, your face off. There's a whole cute. article on here's why people don't eat bear meat. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> That's just in the part of the anti-bear meat campaign no, because they're worried right? it's going to fuck with the anti-puffin meat campaign. Oh, oh and it's actually uh, it's kind of what you were saying uh, before we started recording that they're invasive species because they're they're called invasivor- invasivores, which yeah. are people that specifically eat invasive species. Uh, but they don't eat bears because bears taste like shit. We'll find out. I you just read that, though. So you didn't read that before we had our conversation. Uh, it's not, yep. but I am saying my instincts were correct. Yes, but you you, you just had instincts before. And now I'm, you have and knowledge. I, and bears are not carnivores. They're omnivores. They're like us. Oh, very nice. I mean, I'm still going to probably eat it. All right, everyone. Well, we will let you know about our food experiences as we continue to travel. And uh, hopefully you don't shame us too much um, because, uh, you know, we love you and we love people. I just like experiences. I know you do. I just like experiences. I'm a curious boy. I'm being curious. Curious. All right, everyone. We will see you at the live shows. Never forget, hail yourself. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hail me. Let's go burn down medical school. Yay! Let's go.
Let's get Oxford. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 988-988. 